Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk <laughs> Recorded live. Welcome, everyone. This is the Spiral Foundation's live talk, Evening with the Expert. This talk is being recorded and will be available on the TalkShoe website for one week. Participants may download this talk for your own use following the presentation. After that time, the talk will be available on the Spiral Foundation website at www.thespiralfoundation.org. Participants may obtain a certificate for AOTA CEUs by following the instructions in your confirmation email and taking a short test on tonight's talk. This talk is the copyrighted property of the Spiral Foundation and may not be copied or distributed without permission. And tonight's topic in our sensory integration and mental health concerns series is managing anxiety and panic disorders in adolescents and adults with sensory processing disorder. And hello everyone, I'm Dr. Teresa May Benson and I'm the Executive Director of the Spiral Foundation. And joining us this evening is Dr. Sharon Heller. Um, Dr. Heller is the author of the book, Too Loud, Too Bright, Too Fast, Too Tight, a book for adults with sensory processing disorder. Um, she's also a developmental psychologist and college professor specializing in how poor nutrition, internal and external toxicity, uh, drugs and cranial sacral misalignments create um, sensory processing problems, anxiety, depression, and other mental health problems and on how to heal holistically. Uh, she received her master's degree from the University of Chicago and her PhD from Loyola University um, of Chicago. And she's also currently a sensory processing disorder consultant um, doing some consultations uh, with adults with SPD. So we're very delighted to have Dr. <coughs> with us this evening um, to discuss her experiences with sensory integration and mental health concerns. So welcome very much, Dr. Hell. We appreciate you being with us this evening. Thank you. Delighted to be here. So um, in our um, SI and mental health series this year, um, we've been talking about the impact of sensory integration problems on a variety of aspects of mental health um, in both children and adults. And uh, historically, uh, for the adult population, there's there's been very little information available on sensory integration. Um, and I'm sure that you ran into that yourself. Um, I know as a therapist, I was very excited um, when your book um, came out um, because it was really um, the first book on SI that was targeted towards the adult population. Um, and I know that it came out of your own SI journey. So I thought maybe we could start off uh, and you could tell us a little bit about um, your own experiences with uh, sensory integration problems. Well, I had from birth uh, visual and auditory processing problems. I had 
um, birth trauma I had before, saps to the head, and that threw the spine off. And when the spine is off, uh, the whole nervous system is off. And um, so I, I experienced always from a very young age a lot of anxiety. And uh, sensory, the, the auditory and visual problems were not actually identified until I was in my 50s and had an intensive with Patty Otter. So I just felt that, you know, I was dumb and my family laughed at the stupid things I did. So they sort of confirmed that I was dumb. And I just thought that I, you know, I wasn't very smart. Um, and then I, and so that began to change, you know, uh, as I grew older and as I, uh, you know, studied more and began to realize that, you know, um, I, I'm really not that dumb. Um, but still, I, I had no explanation for why I would do and say very stupid things. Um, but it was mild enough, so, and I was bright enough, so it never would have been identified. It wouldn't be identified today, you know, because I got by. Mm-hmm. Then in my early 40s, I fell down a flight of stairs. Oh, I, also, I had, I had mild sensory um, issues, uh, largely um, with, with smell and with noise, but, but nothing that really interfered. So then in my early 40s, I fell down a flight of stairs, landed on concrete on my head, and that threw uh, my whole system off very badly. And um, all of a sudden, I started having severe sensory issues, along with um, a whole bunch of other stuff, a lot of neurological issues. Now, when I fell down the flight of stairs, I went to the emergency room, and I had not lost consciousness. And they took an MRI, and they said that they didn't see any heart signs, so I forgot about it. So as I started to fall apart uh, and became less and less functional, I didn't really relate it to the fall. I just didn't know what was going on. I had moved to Florida. I had financial problems. I thought maybe it was just stress. And, of course, the doctors weren't of any help. You know, they just confirmed that it was just anxiety and, of course, wanted to just give me psychotropic drugs, which I wouldn't take. Then, when I was writing my first book, The Vital Touch, which is on the role of touch in infant development, I came across Patricia Wilbarger's work. And I thought, wait a minute, hmm, that, you know, that sounds like what's going on. Because I had, by this time, I was really uh, pretty severe. You know where you lie down in bed and you can't tolerate the, the feel of the sheets on your, on your body, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to a workshop that Patty Otter and her gave. And uh, <laughs> I thought, well, this certainly explains a lot. Um, and so I started doing the, you know, the Wilbarger uh, Therapy Pressure Protocol, uh-huh. uh, along along with the other, you know, kinds of stuff that they uh, told me about. And I made I made changes. I I did become definitely much less tactile, defensive. But I the changes were not pronounced, and. I still found it very difficult to be in the world. Uh, I still, I was experiencing, you know, all these neurological issues. Um, so then I, uh, I discovered <laughs> that 
that the fall, you know, did cause problems. And I started getting neurocranial uh, restructuring, which is uh, an invasive form of cranial release. Mm. Now, that started to make a difference. So now I had... And I had one piece of the puzzle. I had the sensory issues, and I was doing interventions for that. And that had, you know, a mild effect. But, again, it didn't really drastically change my life. Mm-hmm. So then I got the, uh, you know, the cranial uh, release. That started to make a huge difference. And at the same time, I discovered that I, I had um, very pronounced GI problems. So I discovered that I had had candida Five years, and along with it, I now had um, sensitivities too. As it turned I'm out, losing you just a little bit. I don't know if you're moving around, but you're kind of wobbling in and out. Oh, that's because I'm I'm gliding in my glider. Okay, okay. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> okay. Um. Yes. Thank you for telling me. Uh, let me know if it happens Keeping again. diet there. Okay, I'm gliding very slowly now, so let me know if it happens again. Okay, okay. there you go. So, so I had now <clears throat> two more pieces of the puzzle, um, but there were other issues as well, and it took me probably 15 years to wow. figure out everything that was destabilizing me, and so I could really, you know, get a grasp on it. And so I I realized two things. I realized that my issues were not related to one thing. Mm-hmm. There were many things. And I had to address all those issues. If I just addressed one issue, uh, you know, like doing, say, the, um, you know, the Wilbiger protocol, there was a mild result, but really it didn't make a substantial difference in my life. The other thing I realized was because I had my nervous system was now so out of whack that any little thing could set me off. Mm-hmm. So I had to get together a program which is very disciplined and very strict mm-hmm. and which I must adhere to uh, because if I don't, then I'm going to easily just, you know, just get out of whack. Um, and I have to be very careful about not letting my system go into overload. Mm-hmm. When then at that time I have to stop and then you know just go into the you know the dark closet. Right. Um, now, so, did, you have, did you have panic attacks or was it just anxiety? I had panic attacks when I was young, uh-huh. and these were not related to, to sensory issues. Um, I think. Uh, they're very common in adolescence, and I think it was probably more of a hormonal, you know, kind of thing. Because when you're balanced, when your nervous system is off, your hormones are off. <clears throat> so I wouldn't call what I had panic attacks. I would call what happened to me was very quickly marching up into overload. Mm-hmm. And then being in such an extreme state of stress yep. that I could only survive it by shutting down. And then when that happened, then whatever people asked me, I, I gave the most ridiculous answers because I had, I had no way of figuring out what was being said to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all you want to do is escape. And uh, so, so I wouldn't call it a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but on that note, uh, 
I, I want to talk about um, what can happen with severe sensory defensiveness and panic. There is a, a condition called uh, a cat's asia, uh, yes. which you know about it. No, no, I don't. That's why I'm, I'm asking you. What is that again? It's A-K-A-T-H-A-S-I-A. And it happens when people are weaning off of antidepressants and they do it uh, too quickly. Uh-huh. And they experience an extreme feeling of wanting to jump out of their skin. And it's believed that the suicides that happen from people weaning off of antidepressants are because of the acathasia, which is severe sensory defensiveness. Okay. I mean, I'm um, familiar with the phenomena, but not with that term. Um, so it's it's interesting to, to find out that there is a term um, for that. Um, well, if, these folks don't know about SI, and that's, right. that's the pity of it because, you know, they don't get educated. So they create their own term because they don't know about severe sensory defensiveness. Right. So there's a couple things I want to um, just talk a little bit more about before we move on and before I lose track. Um, one thing that you mentioned, which I think is really <laughs> important, um, to point out to our listeners was that um, the anxiety that you were experiencing was not really recognized for a long time as being related to anything sensory or neurological. Um, and I think that that is something that we see all the time um, with adults um, with, with sensory processing issues that the anxiety component, um, you know, they see psychologists, they see the psychiatrists, they get medicated, the medication doesn't, may or may not work, um, and, you know, they continue to, to be sensory defensive and kind of live in this sensory defensive world, um, which is, is very, very challenging. Um, and, you know, there's a difference between psychological anxiety and anxiety from sensory defensiveness because psychological anxiety starts with worry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you become anxious. Uh, and then the anxiety builds up. And then you have anticipatory anxiety. Um, but with sensory defensiveness, it starts with a physical sensation. Okay. Now, you might be in the mall and you're overloaded. So now you begin to worry about whether or not, you know, you, you can get out quickly, let's say. Mm-hmm. So now it becomes psychological anxiety. And then the anticipatory anxiety is, I don't think I want to go to malls anymore or any place where there's a crowd. And, and so, you know, it, it gets to the point where maybe you become agoraphobic. Right. So there's a very large difference between those who are worry warts, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Although, um, you know, Teresa, we both know that these people with, you know, who are like that probably have huge sensory issues, right? Right. So, yes, exactly. Um, but, yeah, you know, being worried about something and therefore becoming, you know, very anxious about that um, and then uh, and, and having the um, – 
anxiety set off because of a sensory uh, experience. And the other thing is, you see, you don't have to, talking about um, the experience of panic attack, you know, anxiety and panic attack, part and parcel of panic attack is dread, you know, extreme dread. Okay. Now, you can be in a place of overload where you just have to run out of there. Um, but, you know, let's say you're, you're, let's say you're in the mall and you're listening to a band that you really love, but you're getting really, really overloaded, and you want to run out of there, but you love their music. So you don't have this dread accompanying you. You have, you know, you want to escape, but at the same time, some part of you wants to stay. You're, you're, you know, you're enjoying the music. So you don't have that dread component. Okay. So, so there I is. Think, I think those two components are really helpful. I've never heard it quite um, articulated in that way, and I think that that can be really useful. I think one of the things I'm hearing from you, Sharon, is that um, you, in some cases, can start with some of this physiological piece, but they can be then rolled into some of the sensory as well. So regardless of where it's kind of starting, ultimately the two different issues can kind of play off of each other. Yeah, so it it becomes a little bit hard to tease out. Right, which is which. Now the other thing I wanted to um, just chat about, and I want to come back to this point later on. I don't want to talk about it right now, but I want to come back to it later on was you mentioned uh, GI problems. And I just want to mention for our <laughs> our audience that when you're talking GI problems, you're talking gastrointestinal issues, correct? Oh, correct. And that yeah. is uh, typically part and parcel of SI issues. I, I, You know, there may not be anyone with SI issues. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm getting my wobble here. Pardon? Sorry, I'm getting my wobble here with your voice again. Okay, yes. Just tell me when I'm getting wobbly. Okay. So, sorry about um, that. Yes. <laughs> I'm, that's, that's, I'm unconsciously gliding here, you know. Um, so, so uh, you mentioned yeah, that, um, yeah, that they're kind of part and parcel. I think many of us who work with individuals with SI issues see those gastrointestinal problems. Um, on the, well, I want to give you a, a little bit of a pun here because you know, the GI issues are feeding into I mean, yeah. SI issues. Um, <laughs> and they really, they, they have to be handled. It, it, uh, in fact, when I do the consulting that I do, um, I tell people right off the bat, I, I don't know if you want me to go into this now, you said you wanted to address it later, but um, I, I tell them right off the bat, uh, you have to start uh, stop feeding your brain junk or nothing. Oh, I can't hear you. I said, you know, you have to stop feeding your brain junk or right. nothing that you do is really going to make any difference because if yeah. your brain is not working as it should, then nothing else in the nervous system is going to be working. Right. And I'm getting my wobble again here, Sharon. So that, sorry that, I'm, not, that. I, I'm not rocking now. Really? Are no. you getting a wobble now? Uh, now I'm not, no. So. Okay. I'm going to have to be very still here. Keep reminding me. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Okay, so yeah, um, I think that um, very often there are those those gastrointestinal issues. 
Um, there are also what we would call GI issues, <laughs> which is our gravitational security issues. Um, oh, that's the confusion. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So and let me let me just. I I would like to go back to the um, the gastrointestinal issues because, as I mentioned, as it turned out, I had food sensitivities to virtually every food. Thirty five wow. years of candida, so I had you know huge um, GI problems. Um, and when I addressed that. Uh, and I did by uh, going on a raw food diet and fasting, which I have done for years now. I noticed something very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. The anxiety and the mood problems almost disappeared. Okay, that was I mean, my questions. Yeah. Yes, almost disappeared. I was. Now, if you can imagine me with the severe sensory defensiveness, you know, all the, the GI issues, the neurological issues, you know, ongoing head pressure, uh, a severe eye strain, as it turns out, um, uh, the accident did cause a problem. I had GI to my visual cortex. Um, and I, I was in a state of constant distress, so I was a screaming me. You couldn't get anywhere near me. I don't know how I didn't lose every person I've ever known on the planet because I, I just did nothing but scream. Uh-huh. And... When I started to get, uh, really get into this raw food diet and the fasting, which um, I was certainly not, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend for everyone, but for me it works extremely well. I actually am, um, just came off a of fast today. Um, I, all of my relationships changed. Mm-hmm. All of my interactions changed. My anxiety was reduced drastically. Uh-huh. When I started to feed my brain the food that it needs, you know, in order to function, and when I started detoxing out of my body all the stuff that interferes with brain processing, all the toxicity, the heavy metals, um, I absolutely my whole life changed in terms of the social emotional, you know, factors, and uh, I, I think this is this is really really crucial for people to understand it um, because what happens with SI is, I mean, if you have SPD, the world is a difficult place for you to live in. Uh-huh. And, you, you know, you're in, you easily go into survival mode. Right. And in survival mode, the brain has one thing that, you know, it's screaming, get me out of here, do something, you know, I'm in danger. Mm-hmm. And so what you do, so you get all of these addictions. Right. And addictions to me are all the same thing. It's all just an attempt to, to have to go to an extreme to find balance in the nervous system. Right. And it's very difficult to control it. You know, if you are an overload uh, and, and you're just screaming, you know, save me, get me out of this state. Uh-huh. And a piece of chocolate cake or a snort of Coke will do it. Uh-huh. You'll do it. Right. So, um, so it, it's, it's very, so that, that's one of the things that makes it difficult for people with SPD to really get a grasp on this. Right. Because, so- yeah. 
Oh, I was going to say, I think that brings us to a question one of our listeners had, and I know I had here, is um, what, how do you manage the anxiety? What are some ways that, that you talk to people about managing it? I mean, clearly looking at diet is one really important strategy. Um, uh, looking at whether or not there are food allergies or you have candida, um, which I have seen that have a huge problem with people as well as the food allergies. Um, that, you know, the detoxification can be really helpful. Um, but what other kinds of things have you found helpful and that you recommend for other people to do to help manage that anxiety? I, I think that um, SPD is not a sensory problem. It's a whole nervous system problem. Mm-hmm. And anything that is destabilizing the nervous system has to be addressed, and that varies with each person. Okay. Um, so, now for me, again, uh, I, I had it from birth mildly uh, because of the birth trauma. But the head trauma, you know, caused it to be severe. Okay. So it's really important for people to figure out if they had any head trauma, which is very common, uh, and, of course, any brain injury, because that could be a huge factor in why they have the sensory issues they have, you know, huge contributing factor. And, and that has to be addressed. And, um, and, and if that doesn't change, then you can do all the other things. But the problem is, If your skull and your spine are misaligned, Mm -hmm. then the neurotransmitters can't communicate. Right. So, um, so you have to you have to look at your posture, and I tell people look at the look in the mirror, look at your face, and see if there's an asymmetry Mm -hmm. between the right and left side of your face. If there's asymmetry, or if there's asymmetry in your body. You have cranial sacral issues that need attention. Right. So, yeah, I have, have. I definitely have found with my adult clients that um, many, many of them, well, almost all of them, I would say, do benefit from cranial sacral work. Um, my adults with autism, whether they're you know <clears throat> they're on the autism spectrum or they're typically functioning sensory defensive adults. Um, that one of the things they kind of universally say around that anxiety piece is that the body work and the cranial work calms their brain down and and helps them feel um, calmer and less anxious. Um, So aside from those kinds of things, I guess one of the things I know many of our listeners are going to ask is, well, I'm not cranial sacral trained or what have you, what can I as an OT who is um, running into these problems or perhaps uh, we may have some psychologists um, or uh, educators, teachers um, online with us, um, you know, what, what can they do to help, um, help, help the, you know, that adolescent perhaps that's in, in the classroom? Um, manage things. Um, it sounds like you know there's lots of great things that they you know any they could recommend to 
the person or to the families to pursue. Do you have any specific strategies that um, you found useful? You know, you're talking to someone who had a week intensive with Patty Otter. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have to tell you that Patty had a huge, you know, bag of tricks, you know, a very large toolbox. So I don't quite know what I can really contribute to the OT um, that they're not already doing because I don't know specifically uh, well, I think, doing, you know, what have yeah. you found helpful? Because remember, we, we do have people online who aren't familiar with Patty's work um, and, um, you know, may not be as familiar with some of those. So we're always interested in hearing specifically um, what you've found useful or what you perhaps recommend frequently to others. Well, I um okay. Do you want me to get into sort of um, some of the tools that I use personally? Sure. I, I mean, okay, okay, okay. All right. So yes, because I have a huge toolbox. I mean, okay. huge. So okay. Um, so let me let me talk about what I've discovered uh, works very well for me, and which I have found to be very helpful for other people. You're and, <laughs> Pardon me? Your glider. My, well, yes. I mean, you really should have most everything you sit on in your house move. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's no reason to just sit, you know, or just lie. I, I mean, you really, really should try and create, um, you know, a, a sensory haven in your home. Great. Um, I uh, I would like at some point to get rid of the couch and get one of those hanging, you know, couches uh, so you can rock while you're lying on the couch. Um, so, yeah, a glider, a hanging swing, an exercise ball, you know, while you're sitting at the computer, a rocking chair. Uh, I just, uh, you know, they have that, um, that wonderful uh, cocoon that you can lie in, which is really absolutely fabulous, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean that you know that works marvelously. Um, you know things that you can do in the house. For me, I would say the most organizing thing for me is power yoga. Okay. Power yoga. Uh, I mean, yoga is very good, but power yoga involves. It's about. It's an hour and a half class. It's intense, and it involves. A lot of proprioceptive activity uh, poses because you're doing a lot of balancing. Mm-hmm. You're doing a lot of balancing on one leg. Okay. You're doing arm balances. You're doing, uh, you know, handstands. Some in the middle of the floor. Some against the wall. Um, you know, uh, um, uh, shoulder stands. I mean, that is incredible proprioceptive input uh, and vestibular input. Now, when I'm in good enough shape to do it, if I really have to get myself together quickly, I will do a handstand against the wall. Hmm. Because uh, that is, I mean, think about what you're getting into those joints and muscles. Hmm. Um, And so that is, so, and the other thing is what you have in a, a power vinyasa flow classes, you have ongoing continual head change. Okay. 
so you're, you're constantly defying gravity. And at the end of that class, you feel blissful. And you know that people who take yoga talk about this all the time. Well, they call it a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. They think it's been a spiritual experience. It's been a vestibular and proprioceptive experience. It's been <laughs> a huge shot into the nervous system. And I really, uh, you know, I can bike ride for an hour and a half, you know, which, which I also do. I can go swimming. I can take a long walk, you know, on the, the sand at the, um, at the beach. Nothing gets you into a place like at the end of that hour and a half power yoga class. So uh, now you you can, I would do any yoga, and certainly not everyone can do, you know, a power yoga class. But you're not going to get the intensity that you do from that class. And so uh, even if you if you can't do it and you do any regular yoga class, you're still going to get a lot of benefit. Uh, but for those who can do a power yoga class, you know, I, I think that's huge. Another thing I want to talk about, which is an amazing thing to do at home, is body rolling. Do you know about body rolling? Well, tell me, tell me about your perspective on it. Okay, so it's it's Yamuna Y A M U N A Yamuna Yamuna's body rolling, and she has a a bunch of different size balls, and you lie on the on the ball and put pressure into your body, and I had, as I had mentioned to you, a very stressful day because I had to meet a, um, a deadline, and I was I was really in bad shape. And I so I, I did the body rolling, you know, for a good half hour because that gave me uh, a huge proprioceptive that was uh, and and uh, tactile, you know, deep pressure, deep pressure, both you get both the deep, you know, enormous. Um, Okay, somatosensory, uh, the deep pressure and the uh, proprioception suction into the um, the joints and muscles. Okay, and um, and and she has this face ball, and like ten minutes doing it just on your face gets you into a, a, just a, a you know a fabulous place. So this is really something I think this is really powerful uh, that people can do at home. Can you spell the name of the person who developed that then? Yamuna, Y-A-M-U-N-A. Uh, but you, you can just look up body rolling. Okay. Um, cool. Now, uh, uh, another thing, I, 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 and let me tell you, Teresa, if we had, you know, three hours, I could probably talk for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> but I've developed, you know, after so many years. Um, but uh, another thing that I really like is to have essential oils available. Hmm. Now, my neighbor is, uh, you know, low arousal, you know, what I call the languid, you know, with the low muscle tone, under responsiveness, and we were talking about that, you know, problems with, you know, that with discrimination. And she's been depressed her whole life and suicidal. And and she's happily married and has wonderful relationships, but it's her nervous system. And, um, you know, I, very low muscle tone. Okay. So when she can't get herself going, I gave her peppermint uh, essential oil. Okay. She smells that and it gets her going. And it absolutely drives her system. 
and has gotten her up and out of the house doing what she needs to do over and over again. So that's that's very powerful. Just inhaling, and you want to get you want to get really pure quality essential oil. Right. Uh, you know, the better the quality, the better the effect. So just having that essential oil with you, uh, you know, in your purse or whatever, available and and smelling it, inhaling it whenever you need to, uh, really will do uh, a, a really, um, you know, a pow to get okay. going. I go to sleep every night with putting uh, a couple dabs of lavender oil on the bottom of my feet. Lavender? Lavender, yeah. And that really, uh, and, and that has um, had, that's made a very big difference in uh, my ability to go to sleep and sleep soundly. Okay. Now, when I was going through all this turmoil, uh, turmoil that I described to you, which which went on for, oh, years. Okay. I, of course, you know, had difficulty going to sleep and staying asleep. And, and also, I would sleep 10, 12 hours a night. Okay. And, and wake up totally exhausted. Because, you know, I had never gotten rejuvenation sleep. The right. lavender on the bottom of my feet has made a big difference. But also, and, and I want our audience to know this, I'm now speaking, okay, when I was in a very bad place, I would say it was functioning at about 10%. Okay. I'm now functioning at about 90%. And the only thing that's holding me back is that I have um, visual processing issues and um, photosensitivity okay. from scar tissue that cannot doesn't have an easy resolution. So I have to struggle with that. Um, but if I didn't have to struggle with that, I would say for the most part, I have things under control. And so... When I'm saying things like, okay, so you put the lavender on the bottom of your feet and, you know, I sleep soundly through the night, I'm talking about where I'm at now. So I don't want someone to say, well, I tried it, you know, and I mean, I'm still stressed out like crazy uh, because it just, it, it depends on where you're at. Where you are tells you what you need to do and to what extreme you need to go to get organized. At this point in time, I rarely uh, do the, the their pressure brushing. I don't feel the need. Right. When I was, when I had the, the severe defensiveness, I needed that brush every hour. I mean, I remember teaching college and, and, and giving the class a break every hour so I could sneak into the bathroom and brush. Okay. So it just um, so uh, it, it just really, really depends on, on where you are, you know, to, and, and what you need to um, to get your system organized. Um, now, so, I mean, there, yeah, what other kinds on. of strategies did you find helpful when things were kind of more, what we might call a, in the acute phase? Because I think um, many therapists, that's that's the frustrating piece. Is you know, it's like, what can I what can I help this person do pretty quickly to start at least getting some relief? Um, sound and light. Yeah. Okay. Sound and light in what way? Sound and light. Um, 
the uh, the sound therapy, uh, you know, with the bone conduction, which okay. uh, Patty Otter uh, did on me, and that was that was huge. Okay. And I have, because of my light sensitivity, because of my visual processing issues, I have um, a syntonic light therapy machine. Now, it hasn't helped with um, the convergent issue or the uh, light sensitivity because, again, these are related to a problem that's not easily solvable. But what it does is it organizes my nervous system so that if I do it during the day, let's say, Mm -hmm. I will wake up the next morning breathing deeply with the hands unfurled, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the whole face, you know, <laughs> relaxed. I mean, I will wake up in a really organized place, if I, even if I've done it the day before in the morning and during the day. So, it has a huge impact on the nervous system. So uh, OTs can have, um, they, they can use light therapy very easily, you know, at their centers. Okay. So let me explain just a, a little bit to our listeners what you're talking about. You're talking about um, syntonic light therapy, which is... Syntonic off- light therapy is a specific kind of therapy using um, a syntonic light therapy machine. Now, this is intense. It's like it's like needing ILS for auditory listening. Right, so it involves you know, colors of lights for our listeners. Um, I actually did it myself, too, a number of years. The syntonic light therapy? Yeah. Okay, so what happened? um, I found it very helpful. I had a lot of um, eye strain um, because I was in the middle of my dissertation work, and I kind of totally trashed my my visual system and um, had a lot of over-convergence because of being over-focused at near point. Um, and found that it really helped relax my eyes um, and helped decrease my overall arousal level. Yes, um, yes, yes. So, yeah, yes, it's definitely very much something so. that was helpful. Um, I'm thinking that many of our listeners, so for our listeners to know, um, if this is something that, you know, you, you might want to think about for a client uh, or you might want to look into, um, behavioral optometrists typically do this. Um, they're probably the most common people who, who provide this service. Um, however, one of the things I'm wondering, and I don't know this about, I, I don't know this very well, but I would think that for um, certain things, it may be worth looking for clients who have that visual sensitivity component. They might want to look into some of the Erlen um, products. Um, Erlen lenses or colored, um, talk to a psych- uh, an opto- behavioral optometrist about colored lenses. I mean, I do know that I've had some, um, some adults who have done quite well um, with um, certain kinds of, um, of colored lenses, you know, whether they're red or yellow um, or what have you. And um, the... Um, Light therapy that we're talking about is syntonic. It's S-Y-N-T-O-N-I-C. 
It, yes, but but here's the thing. <clears throat> Light is powerful. Yes. The Erlen glasses, and I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, I mean, that's light. That's color. It's made a huge difference for people. The syntonic light therapy is sort of esoteric. The machine's expensive. It's best really done under an optometrist's care. Right. But there's all sorts of different tools they have that will provide light. Okay. And, 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 okay, so as a, for instance, um, I know that Deepak Chopra has something called, I don't know if it's Dream Chaser or Dream Catcher, I'm not sure, but uh, it, it has um, LED, okay, so you put it on and you listen to uh, meditative tapes uh, with LED light coming through your eyes. Okay. And also meditative music. Okay. So I don't know. You see, Teresa, you know that I'm not an OT. I'm a psychologist. And uh, the people that I have, you know, um, really worked with and been associated with primarily have been uh, typically functioning people. Right. So I can't address the issue of um, people with special needs. So I don't know how well something like that would work you know, for them, and it may work, uh, you know, for, for some and not work for others. But I would think that, that something like that might be worth trying. Right, and I think I think the takeaway for our listeners, because I know we're going to get some questions from people. Um, I'm, you know, I personally am a pretty eclectic alternative therapist. I do a lot of alternative things myself personally. Um, however, I have to say, as a profession... Let me just throw this out and cover the bases. As a profession in OT, um, there is a lot of pressure on therapists now to look at evidence-based interventions. And um, people do need to be aware that a lot of the things that we're talking about, although we have personal experiences with them being helpful, I have found them helpful for some of my clients, a number of these things don't have the research base because they're alternative, you know, they're, 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 they're a little different. Um, but I think that looking at uh, the takeaway point here is that it, is bene- it, it may be beneficial to clients with this anxiety, with these um, mental health issues, to look at light alternatives. Um, ways of using light, whether you go to a behavioral optometrist and, and they look into syntonics, whether, uh, you know, you look at some of the other alternatives, there's also the uh, full-spectrum lighting. Yeah, let me just, um, you helpful. know, that. I mean, and they all kind of hit things in different ways. Um, yeah, but I, I, just, I just want to interject uh, here that I think there's actually been quite a bit of research done on seasonal affective disorder right. and the light machine. Right, with light, with the full-spectrum lights. Yes. That is, yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point. For the individuals who have depression, um, that's who it's been found the most effective with. Um, yes, that's the, the, the sad. Um, there is a lot of research, actually, demonstrating the um, validity of um, the light boxes and yes. things like that, yeah, with the depression. Yeah. 
So I don't yeah. discourage people from using these things. I just want to put it up there up front because it, it's a question we sometimes get um, just because of sort of where the OT profession is these days. Um, as we're, we're heading down here now already to our, our last 10 minutes, um, I did, I know um, we were talking the, uh, the other day about um, adults who are sort of on the other end of the spectrum from the over-responsivity adults who we very often see with the anxiety to the under-responsive adults. And I was saying that I felt like a lot of those adults um, it's not what you might consider under-responsiveness from a modulation standpoint, but um, poor discrimination problems, um, kind of your low-tone um, individuals, those who need a lot of input to kind of get them going, um, your sort of thrill-seekers, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from your anxiety people. Um, and you were, were indicating that this is something that you've seen um, and some of your clients, and you had some thoughts on that, that subject. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about that population. I think that there are far more people who fit into that category than there are people who are hyper-responsive or sensory defensive. Hmm. I think that just in simply our own experience in, 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 in the world, the number of people that we see with this low muscle tone, typically overweight, um, having to go to an extreme to get sensation. So, uh, you know, they have all the piercings and the tattoos and the red spiky hair, you know, sticking out of their head and with the cigarette in their mouth and drinking the coffee and maybe on cocaine and whatever, just trying to figure out how to feel something mm -hmm. because they have such poor body awareness. Yeah. They are not connected to their bodies. And the sense of being grounded, mm -hmm. the sense of being in touch with your body is the basis for the psychological sense of self. If you don't have it, right. you don't feel a strong sense of self. And so you typically have a, a lot of low self-esteem, right. a lot of depression. And they, had, they don't have a clue that they have sensory issues. Right. They don't have a clue that if they slept with a weighted blanket, it would make a huge difference you know, in their lives. Right. And I think so, those, these individuals, let me just comment here. I think um, these are individuals who get by and often aren't picked up um, or aren't, don't recognize, as you mentioned, that they have an SI issue um, because they're not, they're not the over-defensive person who's like freaking out, um, seeking um, psychiatric help because they're so anxious they're they're depressed you know and a lot of times you slip into depression and don't even realize it yeah and 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 um they they're not easily recognized having uh, si issues um which the press sort of um has given everyone the impression that you know that hypersensitivity 
Right. When in fact we know there's a broad broad spectrum. Yeah, I think that's been an issue. Is is that uh, SPD has become almost synonymous with sensory modulation problems or over you know sensory defensiveness um, and the discrimination issues, the praxis issues have frequently um, disappeared. You know, not been recognized the way they could be. The uh, last thing I wanted to ask you, and then I want to open lines up, is um, what kinds of resources um, or references um, might you recommend for an adult client um, to get more information? Um, I know we have your, your book, obviously, but what else? Uh, is there anything else out there that I hope <laughs> that you find helpful for them? Well, I have another book, and I think you'll love the title. It's called Uptight and Off-Center. Okay, I do love it. <laughs> and that book, um, in contrast to Out Too Bright, uh, covers the whole spectrum of SI issues and the mental health issues that are associated with it. Okay. And it has, um, uh, you know, a, a ton of um, different kinds of interventions that can be done. Okay. And also, uh, at the at the end of the book, there's a whole section on the whole cognitive component because we didn't get into that. No. But, you know, that's very, very important because uh, people with um, SBD tend to have learned helplessness, meaning that they feel that they've experienced so much frustration and failure Life has been so difficult. No matter how much effort they put into trying to get what they want, often they haven't. So you, you begin to feel that uh, it's not even worth trying because um, whatever you do, you don't get what you want. And that resignation is the biggest reason why people with sensory issues don't do things that they need to do to change. And you can change. You can change drastically, we know. Um, so then uh, there's, there's a lot of support groups on Facebook, and I have one called Sensory Processing Disorder and Mental Health Issues. And Teresa, are you on it? Have you gone to it? I haven't because I um, think I just realized that it was there recently. Okay. Well, this group is actually, it's, 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 there, are, there are several support groups for adults on Facebook. My group actually is, is for professionals. It's really research-based. Okay. So it, it's not a support group, but it gives, uh, it, it's, it's a good um, format for, uh, you know, for professionals, um, you know, to communicate and interact with each other. But there are at least uh, two to three other uh, support groups for adults on Facebook there are blogs like Rachel Schneider's Coming to My Senses blog. Rachel Schneider. Uh, I was, you know what? I was just scanning through my emails because um, I contacted with her recently, and um, she has some great resources as well. So, it could do you spell Rachel's last name for people so they know how to find S S C H N E I D E R. Rachel Schneider, she has, also has uh, a book coming out on um, sensory issues, oh. and that's going to be out in the spring. So oh. that's a, another resource. Um, 
Teresa, you are a resource. <laughs> you know, you. you've got a You've got a great article, <laughs> um, you know, very helpful article for people. And I, I'm not, I don't know what else you have, but I know that I personally want to get, um, want to know more of what it is that you publish. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I can take advantage of it. Well, actually, uh, I do have several things out. Um, just for our listeners to know, on the Spiral website, on our um, resources page, we have a toolkit for adults and adolescents with sensory processing problems. And in the toolkit, there are a few odds and ends resources. Um, But there's particularly a um, uh, guidebook, a little handbook on SPD um, for uh, adolescents and adults, young adults in particular, that um, is a PDF that's downloadable that you can print out and hand to people. Um, that gives them an overview of SI and, um, you know, kind of what to expect, that kind of thing. So we've got that. And on that same page are links to my articles. I have um, a couple of articles in OT practice as well as um, one that I wrote for with Moya Keneally about intervention. Um, so there are several articles there as well. Wonderful. So I'm going to definitely take advantage of that. And also, I I don't want to be remiss because I completely forgot to talk about Tina Champagne, and she would kill me. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> Tina's great too. So, but um, yeah, Tina is Tina is really uh, the Tina's an OT. Yes. And 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 she and her her area is specifically um, mental health issues. Right. And. And uh, so she, um, I mean, especially for OT, she's someone that you have to know about. And and she has actually a textbook. Right. Um, For people, some of our um, other uh, guests have have mentioned her work as well. But um, in case we have people on this talk who have not been on some of the other talks, um, Tina has a book called Occupational Therapy in Mental Health. Um, which she has a chapter in, and that is edited by um, Scheinholz. That's a mouthful. It's um, S-C-H-E-I-N-H-O-L-T-Z. And then in addition to that, she has another book on sensory modulation disorders, right? Is it sensory modulation disorders and mental health? I believe is the name of the text. And I, I, I don't know the name. Yeah. And uh, I have like two copies of it, and can I find one when I want it? No, I can't. Um, <laughs> but she, um, that is by her. So uh, I'm pretty sure it's sensory modulation disorders and mental health or something to that effect. The only thing is, it's it's a textbook. It's very expensive. So it's, it's, that, really, it's, it's not. A, it's about forty five dollars. I want to say maybe. No, it's a hundred more expensive. Something. Than that? Yeah, it's a, te- it's a textbook. Okay, I didn't think it was that that much, but. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, you know, so it, it's more for uh, professionals, and she gives a lot of workshops. Yes, she does, um, especially in the New England area. Um, and we actually are looking at having Tina speak for us here at Spiral um, next year. 
Um, so Great. we'll be looking at having her um, come by. What I want to do now is just, uh, it's actually 8 o'clock, but I do want to take just a couple of minutes and open up the lines. Um, anyone who's on the computer, if you have questions, please feel free to type in your questions now. I mean, obviously you could have typed them in, but um, do that now. I'm also going to open up the lines for um, those of you on the phone. Um, those of you on the phone, if you could please hit the mute button on your own phone so that if you're not speaking, we don't get your background noise. I'd really appreciate that. But if you do want to speak, um, I do have all the lines open now, and all you have to do is just um, speak up, and we'll take any questions um, for Sharon that you might have. Don't be shy. It's okay. Oops. I tried to call a speaker, and I lost the whole thing. Oh, okay. So you're there. Hello? Yeah. Hi. I, I, I'm not hearing anyone speaking. Nobody is speaking. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Do we have any any uh, questions uh, from the uh, Internet? Uh, no. I don't know. We must have done a really thorough job here. I guess so. Yes. Well, well, that's good. All that's right. Good. Any um, questions, everybody? Is there anything else you wanted to wrap up with, Sharon? I I I, I just want to mention that um, uptight and off center um, actually uh, is it'll be available in a couple of days. So uh, if anyone's interested in purchasing it, uh, maybe wait um, uh, a few days or even to the end of the week um, to check it out. And that's available right, on Amazon as a Kindle. Yeah, right now it's available uh, in a Kindle version, but it'll, the paper copy will be available um, no later than the, the end of the week, maybe sooner. Oh, fantastic. All right, well, I'm going to wrap up then. Um, our time is up now. Um, and we'd like to thank you all for uh, joining us. And uh, watch our website and our mailing list for more details. And thank you very much, Dr. Heller. Um, thank you to our participants for joining us for our live talk, Sensory Integration and Mental Health Series. And watch our website, www.thespiralfoundation.org, for our next live talk presentation and to obtain copies of past programs. Um, have a wonderful evening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.